this is Stephanie Krubsack with the Person and Planet podcast. With me today, I have Pauline Westlink. Pauline Westlink is a social entrepreneur with a background in international relations and passion for sustainability and fair trade. She believes in trade, not aid, and development through access to the global market. Pauline founded Oh My Bag, a fairly made and eco-friendly leather bag company in Amsterdam. With a desire to connect producers in small communities to the global market and create fair job opportunities, each of the bags are made in Kolkata, India, in a safe working environment with fair wages and opportunities. So thanks so much for being here today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's get started with, may you tell us a little bit more about your background as a social entrepreneur and how Omaybe got started? Of course, it's very excited to uh, to be here. This is actually my very first podcast, so oh. I've done lots of interviews over the past year. Uh, also, because we um, uh, celebrated our ten year anniversary last year, so there were lots of interviews involved, but never a podcast. So I'm very honored to um, have my first one here with you. Um, so a little bit about the background of Oh My Bag is that um, I studied international relations at the University of Utrecht and my career ambition was always to work in the foreign affairs office or for the United Nations or something like that and I really enjoyed my master's program and I remembered that during one of the lectures about globalization and development the term support trade not aid was mentioned and that is kind of a slogan that stayed with me and planted the seed for what later actually became on my bag. Um, first, I did an internship at the Foreign Affairs Office in The Hague. And uh, I, although I really liked it, I realized it wasn't 100% for me because I sort of wanted more action. I wanted to do things myself. And uh, this was too many gray suits in a gray building for me. And I was thinking maybe I should try to build my own business, but then really from the ground up. And although the idea was very uh, sort of luring, I did need a sort of nudge to go for it. And this is when my travel to New York sort of gave me that nudge. So I do have like, I'm from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, but some affinity with the U.S. because I also studied there and I lived in New York for a while. And the Big City Lights inspired me really to take that leap and start my own business because I really thought, what do I have to lose? If it doesn't work out, I can always go back and apply for a regular job. Um, and when I came back from New York, I found a partner in crime in a friend, study friend from Utrecht, uh, Evelyn, and together we decided to start our own business. Uh, why bags is because we both love bags and we decided to just write a business plan and we really searched online to find bag manufacturers really sort of bootstrap it Alibaba was just hit hit the scene that time so we just went for it um, and we most successfully found their producers in India uh, because production of leather goods is really big in India and also English is the main language so that was quite handy and after emailing back and forth with producers for months, we realized that we just had to go there. Uh, we wanted to get some things done. We really just needed to make it happen ourselves. And um, our very first meeting was in Mumbai with the, the first bag manufacturer. And he arrived with a big entourage and boxes 
full of bags in the lobby. They were all wrapped in plastic and um, his helpers immediately started to unpack a lot of boxes in the lobby. And it was quite embarrassing because the lobby was taken over by lots of boxes and lots of bags. And I wasn't really interested in these bags anyway because I thought we would get picked up to see the factory because we were always really interested already since the beginning in the labor conditions of the factory. So that was really our point to go to India and to really see how things were done there uh, but he wasn't really keen to bring us there and then uh, I sort of insisted and at some point we did went on her way but maybe I don't know if you are familiar with the um, uh, film Slumdog Millionaire mm-hmm. it's a, from a while ago but yeah. we just saw it in the plane and um, uh, when when we arrived at the scene, of course, this was like three hours later because traffic in Mumbai is like horrible. So I thought, where are we going? Um, but um, we were asked to like get out of the van and it was like super busy there. Uh, we, walk, we walked through small alleyways and streets and we went like up a ladder, down a ladder, to the sideway. And then there was commercial activity everywhere. Um, we went through a few rooms and... People were making stuff left and right. And all of a sudden, uh, we have arrived in sort of a small room uh, where four people on the floor were uh, making wallets. And I was sort of dumbfounded, like, is this the factory that this guy is talking about? We already made a few samples. They look pretty good. Uh, but it was also sort of really interesting. And later on, I learned that uh, Daravi, which is like the, the area that we were in, that there are approximately like 15,000 one-room factories in that area. And that there is like a yearly revenue of 500 million of like things made in that area. And it sort of fascinated me in terms of support, trade, not aid. This is sort of a great example for trade because these people need jobs. Uh, but obviously, these aren't the best labor conditions. Uh, but they're also, at the other, ta- other hand, probably happy that they have like can make a living at all and provide for their family. And it all sparked these like great questions about what is fair and what is ethical in trade. Uh, so that was one sort of really interesting part about that first trip. But the next day, we luckily, we went to a real bag factory. Uh, where approximately 50 people were making bags. And when I really walked around there, I was certain that I wanted to give this my full energy and attention because I thought, okay, I can design a bag that I think people would be really interested in, in the Netherlands, but also abroad. And this way, literally all these people would have work and maybe even someday more people would have work. They get a fairly paid job and that means they can provide for their families and their kids can go to school etc. So that's really when I thought, okay, this is it. This is the sweet spot where I want to like spend my energy. Uh, I could do something in a meaningful way with my life. I can create a demand for a beautiful bag and the local community has a connection to the global marketplace. It's really a win-win. But of course, nothing comes really easy. When we get back to the Netherlands, my friend really decides to quit because in the end, we visited around 20 producers in that India trip, but none of them were really suitable. And also all the samples, all the bag samples that we had made were really ugly, like really. And I started to think like designing a bag wasn't as easy as I hoped it would be. Uh, we also learned that the leather tanning industry was actually quite polluting and that didn't really match our fair trade values. And without a leather producer and without a bag producer, we returned home. And that sort of was the starting point of a 
yeah, were sort of an, a, a, about a year sort of muttered on by myself in my room in Amsterdam. And most of my friends by that time sort of started to work for law firms or were on their way to become a doctor. I had some other like solid job and I was in my same old room, 12 square meters day in and out. Uh, and after a few months, also some friends started to ask like, oh, how's it going with these bags of yours? And I think there were a lot of people around me that were sort of waiting to see me fail or didn't think the world like needed another bag brand or wasn't it really difficult to break into that industry anyway? Like there were a lot of naysayers around and also my boldness from the beginning to just like do it and see also sort of slowly dwindled uh, but then at some point I decided to go back to India one more time and this time I would stay until I really find a proper producer and that's when I found fair trade producer Emma um, and that was really made a difference because uh, the people who worked there it was a woman first of all who was the direct manager which was very nice compared to all the men that I dealt with before the people who worked there really understand what fair trade means and it means that like men and women are treated equally they really get a fair wage there's training uh, the environment is really nice whether in they get free lunches it's like um, yeah, it's really like a charity work. Um, and this time I stayed for a month and I didn't go anywhere until the collection is finished. And I was also able to participate in an eco-letter project, which means it's a sustainable letter, tent without chromium, which one of the which is one of the chemical components that sometimes ends up in the drinking water. Um, so finally, it took some blood, sweat and tears but to get the first collection in the Netherlands, but we made it and I officially launched on my back July 2011, so indeed last July, 10 years ago. It was a big party during Amsterdam Fashion Week and since so many people were curious how that girl with those bags was doing, a lot of people showed up and there was a great turnout and also the sales were really great and also two stores at that point were immediately in interested to purchase Oma bag for their store and there was an, a newspaper article and uh, another sort of entrepreneur magazine article that was interested interested to publish about the story and the like sort of the unique selling point was that until now ethical fashion and fair made fashion was basically only sold in fair trade stores and Oma Beck wanted to show that this could be done differently and that we could be like in vogue and L and be sold in like luxury department stores and that quality and uh, fashionable can go hand in hand uh, as well. So sort of it's a whole story. Sorry to bore you, but that was sort of the start of Oma Beck. <laughs> very, very cool. No, it's super interesting. It sounds like, yeah, you went through a lot and it shows that you are super ambitious and all that you went through to make it happen, to come to life. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's there are challenges along the entrepreneurial road for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know that as well too. <laughs> it, it's so interesting too that, you know, you stuck to your morals and you created it based on fair trade values and eco-friendly too, that it's not polluting. And I think a lot of people probably don't know that typical leather is made with a lot of different chemicals. So maybe we can talk more about that, how, how my bag is created and the materials. Yeah, used. of course. So um, normally the most leather bags that you will see are chrome 
letter tent and um that doesn't have to be a problem it's more about the effluent water and how the uh, how sort of water and uh, energy is treated in a letter facility so of course when there is a production facility in europe and the treatment of the effluent water is done under all like certifications and uh like the right systems it could be okay the same as in there are so many chemicals used in so many products and appliances that we use but in india it's more of a hazard because it more often than here ends up in drinking water and in the crops so therefore we decided okay if we work with leather in india because we prefer to have our letter source locally to have like a smaller uh, carbon footprint uh, we need to really make sure that we avoid chrome in uh, the letter development um, so that was kind of a a big to do because that wasn't so common back then now it's more common and it's really interesting interesting to see that first we had like one uh letter tenor that we were able to sort of persuade to to produce this letter in this way for us and then after a few years other tenneries also came to us like we got word got around that these dutch buyers from oh my bag have become bigger and bigger over the years and they were also developing some eco letters so maybe we would be interested in buying from them as well so it was really interesting to see how you have like a small part in sort of changing the letter industry as a whole around Kolkata. Um, and nowadays, partly our letter, com letter comes from India and partly it comes from Italy. And in Italy, we use a vegetable tent letter, which, uh, uh, yeah, which is also a chrome-free, but it's a different way of tanning. It's a, a bit sort of technical, but they're both, um, both uh, chrome-free, um, eco-friendly ways of tanning. Very nice. And I know that you mentioned it was plant-based. So it's maybe talk more about the vegan apple leather. I thought that was a really interesting product that you use. Yeah, that is a new um, that is a new part. Uh, we launched that this year and uh, we focused a lot on um, finding a leather alternative because kind of, yeah, a big part of our client base at some point was interested in a letter alternative or we noticed didn't want to really use animal products. Also here in the Netherlands, um, uh, lots of people are either vegetarian or partly vegetarian or just want to be conscious about what they consume. So yeah, leather is a part of that as well. So for those people, we already since five or so years, we are uh, researching um uh, researching uh, letter alternatives but it was a bit of a struggle because we didn't really want to bring something to the market that was a regular PU or a regular fake letter or just like made of plastics we wanted something that was actually a sustainable material and would also sort of help I really like that like actual letter is a byproduct from the meat and dairy industry and now the apple letter that we use it comes it's it uh, comes from the apple sauce and apple juice industry so the stems and the, uh, the stems of the apple, uh, it's, a, it's a waste product and it's them being remade into a, yeah, into a product that you can actually reuse. Cause I, so I thought that was really nice as well. And also our letter, uh, oh my bag is quite known that their letter is, it looks also really natural. So that also means that it sort of, it picks up life from using it. It gets a little, it, it, it gets a little sheen, a little patina. It can pick, pick up nicks and scratches but it like it comes to life as you use it 
Um, and with a leather alternative, that's more challenging because it kind of like stays the same. It's much more flat. But this product, I think because in the end, it's also a natural product, raw material. Um, it sort of, it also has a sort of deep color. And especially there's, we have a black and cognac one. And black is just honestly just black, pitch black. Uh, but the cognac color also has this like a deep natural look. So it also had to match our um our looks, you know, we wanted it to be just as pretty as our other bags as well. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Makes sense because it is a natural element that it would change with age too, where plastic takes years and years to really change. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really great to hear that you're in a way changing the bag industry, the leather industry, that you're creating uh, a demand for, you know, a sustainably made product that others can start to use too. And I'm having a problem right now trying to find a sustainable printer for a children's book I want to get published. And oh, it's kind of fascinating that I'm finding most options in Europe. It's really difficult in the States. So it's kind of interesting that I'm hoping that'll help shift that industry too. But um, yeah, we have to start somewhere. Interesting. Yeah. And is that printing, is that them, are you mainly concerned about the paper or the ink or both? The ink mainly because sometimes virgin paper can be better versus recycled because if it's recycled, there can be other contaminants in there. But the inks are the big thing because as like chromium in the tanning materials for leather, there's heavy metals and things also in these colors or these dyes for printing on paper. So that's been the biggest issue. I think soy-based inks are becoming more popular, but it hasn't really... Um, there's not a lot of options for book printing yet. I would say like marketing materials more so, but it's been harder to find that book option. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So hearing a little bit about how you got started in in Oh My Bag, is there a specific experience you could say that led you in this direction or is it kind of a combination of things overall? Um, Well, the specific thing that made me interested in sort of doing something meaningful with my life, I would say, or being interesting also in like ethical trade is I think, well, I realized really young, I remember when I was in kindergarten and we did a certain project on developing countries and we were recreating sort of huts in Africa. And that was really, I was four, I think, but it's sort of a realization that I thought, oh, these people live so differently than I am and why does it make such a big difference in where you are born and yeah obviously as you grow you come to realize that for a very large part the world is really unequally structured and one of the reasons is the way that we do business especially in international trade and um yeah since this is something that we are creating ourselves it's also something that we can be the solution for um and that was sort of yeah, something that always driven me, one of, one of the reasons why I wanted to work in uh, development aid. And yeah, also in the end, I decided not to do it, but do it myself. And, but that was sort of my uh, reason that I realized that it is possible to conduct business uh, in a different way and also be profitable and grow and while not harming the planet and its people. So when I started, it's like I said, more than 10 years ago, but for me, it was already very common sense. But I do feel lucky that like societal norms has also like shifted very much into that way. So I was on the right track, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I talk about how um, Oh My Big impacts the environment. 
first of all, we work with sustainable materials. Uh, this is organic and recycled cotton for our lining uh, and the chrome-free and veg and leathers I talked about previously for our products. And we also constantly try to minimize our environmental mm -hmm. footprint. Um, at the moment, like first, we only used gold-certified cotton, um, which is, uh, yeah, an organic cotton without use of chemicals and now since uh, last year uh, we are able to use a blend of also 30% recycled cotton which is actually uh, quite good um, because especially when you think about the water in the, uh, the treatment process using virgin cotton is much more harmful than using recycled cotton um, so we prioritize this switch to have like a lower uh, footprint on a materials impact uh, but also uh, recycled cotton isn't as strong mm -hmm. as virgin cotton so it's not possible to have, like go for a hundred percent recycled recycled cotton yet uh, but we're always following the latest development closely to be able to increase the percentage of recycled cotton for example um yeah very interesting maybe another material to look at would be hemp so I know a little bit about hemp as a material, and it's really strong and renewable. And the hemp plan is really fascinating how great it is for the soil. So yeah, so I learned a little bit from the, the CBD industry I've worked in for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. I actually listened to that podcast. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. Yeah. I think that was the one on regenerative farming. Yeah, so I'm now like up to speed about hemp as well. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. <laughs> very, very cool. I know back to what you mentioned about being conscious of flying in materials. I think a lot of people maybe don't realize that flying is a huge, huge carbon impact. Um, and I know myself, I've done a bit of flying this year too, but that consumes so much that um, or creates so much carbon that it can really yeah, offset your, what you mentioned, like your scope one and two, what you're looking at. Basically to describe that, it looks at the different areas where you're producing carbon in your business, whether you're the materials you're purchasing, how it's getting to you, all of that, the packaging you're using and shipping to customers, the facilities that you, the energy that you use for your manufacturing building, the electricity, maybe the gas usage. Oh, that's so interesting that you say that because that's like, like specifically like the thing, if you would ask me like, what do I want people to take away and learn from my efforts is really that where you spend your money really makes a difference in the world. And um, it really makes a difference whatever brands you support because you sort of, every time you buy something, you sort of cast a vote for the kind of world you want to live in. Um, do you buy things that exploit the environment or do you try to spend consciously and support companies that try to invest in the environment? So you don't really have to think like, oh, these, these concepts are above my head you know there's like I'm just me there's nothing I can do to like change this sort of big way of the how the world works but I always like want to like challenge that and so like yeah well you can like I said like it's a man-made construct and we can change that yeah and, and back to the the other part you mentioned as well talking about creating a product that is maybe more evergreen where you know, something you want to wear in 10 years that you're creating this classical design that people will love and want to care for because this whole fast fashion world has to change too, where if you have something that you can, you know, love for 10, 20 years, even pass it down or give it to somebody when you're using it. I know right now there's a social trend going around like the 10 year challenge. And it was really funny. I was like, oh, maybe I should try this. I was searching and so the shirt I'm wearing today, I found a picture from exactly 10 years ago when I was studying abroad in Germany 
wearing the same shirt and the same skirt. I still wear it today. So it's like, wow. Amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that old, but it's like, you know what? If if you like it, you feel good in it, keep wearing it. It doesn't really matter how old it is. Like I have shirts older than me from my mom from the early 80s, you know? So it's really interesting. Shift your mindset about what fashion is. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also about finding the balance, you know, because in the end, we all know the situation that, I don't know, you have a wedding and you feel like you want something new. Well, what you can do first, maybe check if there is like a secondhand clothing shop that has really nice stuff. Or in Amsterdam, we have something called Lina Library where you can borrow really great like designer pieces or like pieces from like smaller sustainable brands that are really pretty Um Maybe you can borrow something from a friend. But in the end, if you need to go to Zara for that wedding, you know, just make that conscious decision. Because if you are aware, it's like the first step in progress. Like be aware of what you're doing. And maybe if you need to do it for this time, make sure that like next time or next time you feel like have the same urge, like try to like organize yourself a bit better and have Mm -hmm. more time, for example. But yeah, just be aware of what you do and where you spend your money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like not to get too critical because I know we all maybe buy things that maybe aren't sustainable all the time. But if we can do the best we can for most of the purchases, that's what really matters. So yeah, really good advice. So kind of like a, an open ended question. Um, what does preserving the environment mean to you? Yeah. So when I think about uh, societal, how we are societal different, um, the main focus is to support TradeNet Aid. We work, we work currently with four different partner factories uh, around Kolkata, India. Uh, they all share the same value and we already work with them for longer term, like since the beginning, uh, almost, well, two of them since the beginning and two of them since, I think, five or so years. Um, and we work to create more jobs and many other things, such as uh, creating better jobs for women, providing trainings, providing making sure that they're uh, working towards higher wages. Um, and we hope to create bottom-up change that way uh, because while many European uh, brands source leather goods from India, working conditions in the sector remain actually quite poor and I'm convinced that having decent job is crucial for well-being and not only because of the pay but also it gives a sense of belonging a uh, feeling of belonging accomplishment and purpose and that's what we're also quite big on at oh my bag we really try to provide a platform for our bag makers so we make sure that we always uh, communicate correctly like who these people are what their work environment looks like so we have like Every, like I travel to India twice a year. I haven't traveled there uh, for two years, I have to be honest, due to COVID. But usually I travel there twice a year. But yeah, we want to give the bag maker kind of a platform to uh, make sure that they are part of the whole chain and not leave them out and that you magically have this beautiful bag to wear. But actually a lot of hands and a lot of hard work went into the making of that bag. That's really what we sort of strive for. Um, another part would be not extracting raw materials for commercial win only. So we use uh, skins that are the waste of a dairy industry, and we try to work with recycled materials as much as possible. And then, of course, now the apple leather with the uh, with the apple skins. Another part really is always try to be innovating. Um, uh, when a new sustainable alternative is available, don't be afraid to try it, like with our uh, Apple letters. Um, 
yeah, that's an example. And also minimize your environmental footprint in the whole production process. This is something that we started a few years ago. We did like a big calculation with a consultant agency around sustainability. And it's kind of a huge project because you don't really realize if you want to do it right, it's a lot of work to really uh, calculate your carbon footprint because it's not only your own business. For us, it's also... Um, your own business and the transport, but also what our partner factories uh, yeah, use and, and what type of energy they use. And then it's really important that you work on uh, insetting, which means sort of decreasing, decreasing emissions directly in your own supply chain instead of only using on offsetting. Um, offsetting should really be a last resort, but always prioritize insetting. So for us, an example is... Um, we produce in India, we do that very consciously, but we are aware that like that means that product has to travel all around the globe. Um, especially in the COVID year, it was really challenging to get the products to the Netherlands on time to be able to make it for like a season. Um, because there is, we are in the end part of the fashion industry. And although it's sort of slow fashion, there's nothing that we... Um, design that is only in our collection for one season in the end you do want every season you want something new even though it's like a new color in your bags there is a new handle you have to like stay interesting right so um, if you miss the seal season totally it's 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 drama drama it's dramatic for your sales so we need to fly a lot of our products in which is of course really bad for our carbon footprint so we have really high um, goals for how to increase our shipping by sea but those are one of like the sustainability struggles that as a company that you have to deal with you know do you have any product at all Yes, you need it because otherwise you're not a viable company at all. But then do you need to fly it in? Yes, we do. But that means we're, yeah, we're going to score a lot worse on our carbon footprint. So that is also one of the challenges at the same time. Uh, but like thinking about that and making, yeah, informed decisions. Um, and also one of the other points I wanted to say is that um, make sure that raw materials are not your main focus. And if, you're, if they are, make sure that you work with certified materials only and choose uh, recycles over virgin, like our cotton. Um, and also uh, measure and monitor your scope one, two, and three emissions. This is kind of a technical thing, but set targets for reduction. And these are things also that are sort of newer to us. So when I started Oma Bag, as you sort of probably noticed in the whole origin story, my focus was really on the social concept, support trade, provide labor, provide working conditions. And the environmental aspect became more and more important as we grow and also as sort of um, uh, society changed. And that is like almost like a more problematic topic for our world where we live in than 10 years ago. So it became more important for Oh My Bag as well. So are there any other sustainable rituals that you do daily or weekly that you'd encourage listeners to try? Um, one of the things that I can say, but it's really easy because living in Amsterdam, everybody does everything by bike. So I yes. also do everything by bike. I have an electrical bike right now. I have like two young kids of one and three. So we, we oh, basically, 
if you live in Amsterdam, everything's close by. So you go everywhere by bike. So that's very different here compared to where you're at, right? Everything is yep. done by car and it's really challenging to like sort of avoid those emissions. Um, one of the other things that I do is I try to avo- uh, avoid eating meat, especially during the weekdays, but I do sometimes eat meat when I go out for dinners. Uh, when I purchase meat, it's I never purchase meat really. My dad um, hunts quite often, so we often get like fresh meat so it's like actual natural game meat so that's the meat that I do eat but I uh, try to minimize and for myself that's not really hard but I try to have like an effect on my family as well and especially my husband he like loves meat so I try to like sort of positively influence my environment that way as well and show him how delicious uh, vegetarian food can be as well um one of the other small things that I do is I really try to buy secondhand especially for my kids like I said, they're one and three years old and they grow so quickly. So it doesn't really, it doesn't make sense to buy a lot of new clothes anyway. But there are such great like secondhand apps like Vinted has become really popular in the last year here in the Netherlands. Um, that's an app where you can purchase really great secondhand baby clothes. Uh, and that's something I'd like people to encourage to do as well. Shop mm-hmm. secondhand. And for example, a lot of brands like Oh My Bag has a second-hand program these days, and it makes it easier for you uh, to do something with your used bag. And other brands do the same for clothes. I know that Nudie Jeans has like a similar program, and Patagonia does the same. So for us, you can like exchange your um, old Oh My Bag that maybe just lays in the bottom of your closet. You can exchange it for um, another second-hand bag. So you have like a complete new bag, but it's also second-hand. Or you can exchange it for for a discount, but you can do something with the stuff that's in the back of your closet. And for us, it's really a, a great way also to be working on like more of a circular um, uh, industry, fashion industry. That's a really great idea. Yeah, that's a good concept. I think that it's good to see more brands are doing that, that you have that option. Or maybe if it's beyond your price point, that if it's a, a used item, it might be more affordable too. So yeah, that's really great to have that availability. Yeah, exactly. So next to being able to like hand in your old bag, you can also just purchase. We have like a pre-loved library uh, section on our website. So you can purchase pre-loved items. And in our shops in Amsterdam, we have like the pre-loved section. So you can roam for secondhand products. That's very, very cool. Yeah, I feel like that's not very common yet. So it's good to see that. So speaking of um, more sustainability tips and things that you do, so I know we weren't able to meet up in Amsterdam earlier, um, well, I should say end of last year. (laughs) Now, I always carry a reusable water bottle with me, like always, I travel with it. And we were actually out exploring the city and I didn't have it with me. And um, you probably recognize these two. It says Holland on it, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a bottle made of sugar cane in the city. So is that like a gas station or like a – a little mini mart in the city. Yeah, so kind of cool. And I have that from, from Amsterdam. Yeah, made of sugar cane. So I thought that was cool. pretty cool. So I didn't feel so bad purchasing some water on the go. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I should say, is do you have a personal mantra or theme song that kind of gets you to a good place or redirects your mindset? Um, yeah, so one of my all time, I have, a, I have a few good quotes that I love to like see left and right at the office. We have a few quotes and like our core values of the company in the in the bathroom, for example. And my favorite is, you never know who needs you. Good energy is contagious. 
so I'm I'm like naturally generally quite upbeat and naturally enthusiastic person and I'm very uh or um uh I try not to be affected too much but generally I'm certain certainly affected by the people the mood of the people around me so I always try to be very conscious of like the energy that you bring into a group but also for a person and that you yeah you never know who needs you if you are upbeat or try to always like give people a compliment or say something nice you might sort of it's such a small effort and you might like totally change someone's day that's great I like that so that's mm-hmm. one mantra that I a quote that I really like um another I'm big on songs so one that I was listening to the other day which I absolutely love is uh, Rise Up from Ender Day I think and I feel it's so fitting in these sort of depressing COVID times I'm not really exactly sure how it is at the moment where you're at but here we're in a lockdown it's the fourth lockdown so also our shops are closed again one of the shops I opened last year so it means that like we we, we invested a lot in a new shop it's in the nine streets which is a like super nice area in Amsterdam and it was kind of a risk to do it last year after the COVID year but now we're in a lockdown again so the shop has to close so it's kind of a bummer and also it's a new year we're excited to make new plans for oh my bag and um for example it's seal seasons at the moment so normally my whole sales team would be at fairs that are in the netherlands but also in germany and belgium and france but a lot of them got cancelled and when planning that there was a lot of uncertainty if they could go ahead and now like i think two out of six are only still going on like four are cancelled um but i really do see that it's taking a toll on my team so yeah it's just been sort of a stressful time so rise up from android day was a good is a good theme song to get my to lift my moods and um I'm also a big fan of stuff like Katy Perry, Roar. I'm like, I'm big on those types of songs. And that also something that puts me in a good mood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all great. (laughs) Kind of lift the spirits, I know, during a crazy time. So with the lockdowns and everything. So doesn't make it easy at all. So are there any books or podcasts that you recommend to listeners? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm reading Grit. From Angela Duckworth, um, I think a book like it came out like already like five or so years ago, but I absolutely love it. It's about um, the difference between like being naturally gifted and like working and striving for things. I, th- I think it's really interesting and inspiring. That like again, it's a confirmation that you can like sort of do every anything you want if you just work hard for it. Which I think, which I always like because as being an entrepreneur and just starting a back business without really studying any um, economics or maybe um, uh, leather design or back design and just doing it. I always love these sort of confirmations that, yeah, people can just do anything they'd like if they set their mind to it. Uh, as a woman entrepreneur, I really loved Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. It's also an oldie, but it's one that I read, I think, eight years ago, a little bit at the beginning of an entrepreneur sort of journey and I still find it a really great book and something to recommend for um, yeah people are aspiring entrepreneurs um podcast that I love um I'm a fan of the Tim Ferriss podcast it's one of those podcasts as an entrepreneur it's great to listen to it gives you so much advice and tangible advice and yeah I've been a 
yeah, loyal listener for I think 10 years or so. Love that. I uh, also love the Happiness Project from Gretchen Rubin of the, the popular book. And they're also so practical and it's fun, like the dynamics between her and her sister. And I love podcasts that gives you like gives you like tools to like really uh, try out in your daily life. Um yeah, there's many more podcasts that I listen to. I love I love podcasts. I love This American Life, for example. It's not too many people in the Netherlands listen to it, but I've been listening to it already also since 10 or so years. Love that podcast if I, if I want to be just more entertained or intrigued. Very great. Yeah, I'll have links to all of that too as recommendations for listeners. Um, so lastly, how yeah. can listeners reach you? Um, so I'm on Instagram at Pauline underscore OMB. Um, uh, and Oh My Bag Amsterdam is on Instagram as well. So definitely check that out. And you can always uh, email me at Pauline at ohmybag.nl. Um, I'm not on Twitter, but those are two great ways to reach me. Very great. Well, it's been so fun learning about your background and your amazing brand that you created and fun that we have some connection. You've been in Wisconsin before. I was in Amsterdam several times. So yeah, it's really great to finally meet you. And thanks so much for your time today. And thank you everybody for listening. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for interviewing me. It's been really fun.